Drawing your own tokens is busted. Uh, I keep having local friends ask me to draw their tokens, despite that my token art is literally, you know, something a kindergartner could do approximately. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, so, you know, one of the things that we want to do where uh, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get into the actual podcast and stuff, but we're re- revamping the Patreon a little bit and wanted to kind of thank a lot of our longtime patrons. And I was thinking some of our longtime patrons, like we could send some hand drawn custom tokens too. And I think oh, that might be it. The stakes are high. Yeah. The stakes are high. <laughs> it seems like it's within your wheelhouse. You'll just have to, you know, put put your best work forward is all. When I did the the orc token, you know, the, the only orc token I've done really, mm-hmm. uh, I had I had to do a sketch beforehand because I didn't want to mess up and like ruin a card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was a bit too ambitious of my you know drawing skills. And now I think Nick actually has the the sketch, and he put it in a sleeve, and is that his orc token? <laughs> and I also appreciate you using my my concept art. Oh, for the doctor. Yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that. If you saw it, you would enjoy it. (laughs) The only question was really if you you saw it or not. The story for that, anyone listening in Twitch chat, was I was at KubeCon, and KubeCon has this amazing system where they had blank tokens and Sharpies on every table, like at little stations on each table for each cube. So if you were lazy and didn't want to get the cubes or tokens that were provided to you, or you just liked drawing tokens, I guess, then you could just draw your own like with the stuff they provided and i did that for every draft i did of course and one in one of them you had criticized a thopter token i had for being you know, not a real thopter or something like that <laughs> it was a blimp i think or a, a yeah. balloon yeah it was a lighter than air type flying machine which i think is uh diametrically opposed to the concept of what a an, or what a thopter is and I, I said, you, you, you've only got like 20 seconds in a match to draw one of these things. You got to. So I challenged you to draw one <laughs> 20 seconds. And you drew a little guy in a hat with a propeller with a speech bubble coming out of his mouth with the word thop. Which is not a CCR original joke because you've you've like pointed out that the sound that thopters make is thop before. So yeah. I, I just I did that for you. Oh yeah, it's great. That's why. So in that very next draft, I, there's a million cards to make thopters nowadays. So you're just guaranteed to have a thopter in your draft, apparently. <laughs> like I think I drafted Pia Nalar or something, just like in a, in a red aggro deck. Yeah. And what do you know? That makes a thopter. So then I drew your thopter token. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode 317 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Oh, hi Chris. Oh, hello. Nice to see you. Good, good. I can't see you. Yeah, my webcam died. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's brutal. I'll have another one by next week. Okay. You better, <laughs> or I won't be able to make our little, little TikTok advertisement things you um, can't stare into my soul while doing a podcast is it even really podcasting i mean that's how i'm used to it so i don't think that it is for me at least uh, once again i have to thank you for having a podcast ccr it helps me a lot <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, so today we are going to talk about modern a little bit, and then we're going to just kind of dive back into Lost Caverns of Ixalan previews. Uh, before we get into that stuff, I do want to mention that we are revamping the Patreon, and uh, I have put the details of that up in the Discord. Basics are we're going to like open up the Discord, and we're going to kind of refresh the patreon tiers and start kind of like regularly sending out some physical rewards at least yearly depending on which tier you're in and i'm going to be making like kind of regular testing based content that goes out to patrons just kind of like testing journals and deck lists and sideboard guides and then when lee is playing in tournaments he'll kind of prepare some of the same stuff so kind of want to make it a valuable resource with some recurring content and rewards and yeah also i've had multiple people sign up for the patreon and say hey i had no idea that you had a patreon until yesterday and so I would like to do a better job of mentioning that we have a Patreon for people who like the podcast and are interested in supporting it. So we'll we'll be getting that out there a little bit more. Yeah, and I'm actually I, I texted you earlier, but I think you're in the middle of streaming and didn't see this. Mm-hmm. I think I'm leaning more towards pl- like trying to go to Atlanta and playing in the tournament and nice. testing leading up to it. Hell yeah! Because I was looking at my next like month and a half or two months of existence and wondering what my plans were, and I just like didn't have very many. Yeah. So, well, then let's <laughs> let's play some Pioneer. Yeah. Also, I I really want to try more in the the Rona space. Like, I think mm-hmm. that that could be very strong, and I want to yeah want to put more paces through it. Rona Rona Luca stuff generally. Yeah. Yeah. Good old thick eighty card Rona deck. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're on there for reasons just to be a card you can put into your hand and discard to Rona more than anything else. Yeah, important integral role yes. in your all Manador permanent Yorion deck. Yeah, so before we get into it, I also want to start thanking patrons and making sure to shout out people who join the Patreon. And I'm going to start out by thanking some of our longer term patrons. So I, I scrolled back to kind of see and uh, Dubes was in the first batch of patrons, which included you, Lee. And my girlfriend at the time all signed up in March of 2018 on the same day. So, but, but Dubes has stuck with us through, through thick and thin. Um, also Alex, Josh, Ben, Rick, and Dom Harvey, an early subscriber to the MDG Grindcast Patreon. I don't know if everybody has like stayed subscribed or like gone away and come back, but all those people are still with us today and have been for years which i think is really cool and like deeply deeply appreciate so i, I want to keep i i'm probably going to run through pretty much the whole list of of like current patrons over the course of the next few weeks but i do want to just like shout out everybody who has joined and like I, we we really appreciate you it helps us buy equipment and make content and stay consistent and uh and very really cool. and very very soon uh since we're revamping patreon we'll we'll start you know sending stuff again Yes, yes, absolutely. Very soon. We have your the Lee McLeod construct tokens that need to go out to, to some people, so keep an eye out for those. Yeah, I have some next to my desk, which I can't show to anyone because I don't have a webcam, but per- they're there, believe me. Yeah, these are the construct tokens I use because it's too difficult to draw the same robot over and over again. <laughs> and I didn't get any Dom Harvey constructs from KubeCon. Those are too good looking. I, I like my constructs to be a little goofy. 
I, but it's the art is so good on that one. Like that, that's that might be the best token from Cubecom Dom's, uh, yeah, Dom Harvey's it's fantastic. construct is really good. As we get more tokens made, we, we lucked out really hard by going with constructs as our like tokens. When only which, Karn Cyan of Urza existed. Well, only Karn made them, but then Urza came out and then Urza Saga came out, just keeping them relevant. So we're going to try to choose things like treasures and and you know things that that will stay relevant as long as possible yeah we got food too right there's a food token at one point i know we've got two gingerbread men holding hands is the um but yeah we'll we'll run more of the details in future episodes and they're also like kind of listed out on the discord for those of you that are already patrons but we will be kind of I will try to do a better job of promoting the Patreon in the future because I've done I, I feel uncomfortable doing that generally and have done a bad job of it, but there's no reason for that. So just gonna make some cool stuff and share it yeah. with some people who've been yeah. very kind to us. All right. So we will start because you wanted to talk about modern some and uh if I feel it's it's the hot button topic. Paying attention to the the Doomwake Twitter feed then you know you get to see every time a scam deck appears in any chat any of the modern challenges which is a lot to be fair there's there's a lot of scam decks in the top 32s of these challenges yeah so i don't i don't pay attention to the doom week twitter feed very much i can just <laughs> like look at challenges myself and often do <laughs> but the whole joke is that uh doom week has been posting just images of goldfish tournament results for the challenges where you just crop out everything that isn't rocked as scam from the, the the things and it's just you know a bunch of top finishes and all the challenges mm-hmm. but i mean yeah <laughs> like yeah and but. so this is also something that happens a lot on magic online in the challenges like there's not a huge incentive to do a ton of work in this just like weekly recurring tournament that has like, you know, okay prizes, but it's not like, it's just challenges. And we've seen this before a lot of times where format formats like stagnate when it's only challenge play. And then as soon as like a real tournament comes around, like it gets turned on its head. And then like, especially if there is like a best deck that tends to see a lot of recurring play and challenges over and over and over. So like, I'm not saying that scam is not the best deck and not like heavily represented and, and kind of making modern unfun for a lot of people. But I am saying that it looks worse in the challenges than probably it is in any paper tournaments or anything like that. Yeah. And I, th- I think the, the band discourse has gotten a little out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it because Scam is not a particularly fun deck to play against. And in some cases, at this point, like kind of boring to play with. Like your mm-hmm. deck's not changing that much and you're just kind of crushing everyone. <laughs> well, and, and also like, you know, we we have reached the tinkering point of the deck where it's just like there's 57 like hard locked slots in the main deck and really you shouldn't be moving around the other three cards too much but you can do a little bit with it and everybody keeps posting like here's my scam deck and it's like okay you put a a terminate in instead of the croxa you took out the main deck blood like whatever it is it's like the tiniest changes and then the sideboards like you know there's a list of 15 different cards that can be in the sideboard depending on what you're going to play against and you know 
it's just not that interesting anymore now that we've iterated these these 75 so many times it's also very difficult to chase clout sharing a racto scam deck because you're just more likely to get yelled at than anything else yeah, that's true <laughs> <laughs> you're part of the problem how dare you that is not not a reason that i started playing living end again <laughs> like I, then i can post a 5-0 and people will just be like "Ooh, a non-scam 5-0 you say Hmm, intriguing. Hmm. How's your scam matchup? No comment. Not that good. I bring in 12 cards. <laughs> and and that's a an adaptation from the original sideboard plan, which was to bring in the entire sideboard in that matchup. But I, I don't like Leyline of the Void against Scam out of Living End, so we we changed it up a little bit. Yeah, I think we should do our unhinged ban list opinions pod before the next uh, BNR announcement. And that is unofficially December 30th because it's supposed to be X weeks after the release of the next set. Yeah, but they're not going to do it during the time when no one is at work between Christmas and New Year's. So Yeah, they, they have three weeks off, I think, maybe four. I know Watsi mm-hmm. is like a very extended uh, holiday period mm-hmm. where just like no one is ever in the building. Gotcha. So I guess whenever they come back, we'll, we'll have to do it at some point during that dead space because uh, as much as people on Twitter like to simplify the problem, like we just ban grief and everything is perfect, uh, it's, hmm. it's just really, that's just really not the case. Yeah, I I mean, there's some, like if you're going to do bans, there's some combination of like grief or fury or the scam cards, which would be the funniest ban of all time. And then you have to like hit beans and ring probably. And I pray. Like, so I think the the funniest band of all time is the actual scam cards, like Undying same. Malice, Undying Evil. I would love it. Not Dead After All, Malico Rebirth. And then every set release, they just add the next one to the list. Yeah, like, because it's a Welcome it's to a Murders at Karlov Manor. And of now. Limited <laughs> comments now, yeah. Play Dead is now banned in modern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a card name, I don't actually know. That would be like such a a goofy upkeep thing to have to do is just every set that comes out you you take the one black mana combat trick and just preemptively ban it in modern yeah and and you know what's funny is i was thinking about everyone saying because this was a we've had so many waves of banless discussion that banning all the scam effects has been coming up mm-hmm. and what's hilarious to me is that i played an rsq a few weeks ago and just got trounced by is it scam uh-huh. like i i was on the the draw they fury and then slip, slipped it out the back which is phase it out and gets one counter so they, they they fury scammed me on turn one took a bunch of damage uh, on their turn two and then on my turn two i'm playing scale so i just like play hangerback walker and i'm feeling mm-hmm. good because hangerback walker blocks infinitely it's very good against the fury scam and my opponent evokes a subtlety slips it out the back and so I don't have a creature anymore and that's 12 damage and I'm at 12. So that happened to me and I'm like, man, I didn't get a single black card cast against me. <laughs> we cannot possibly think banning the undying evils of the world is the way to go to fix water, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know what the solution is exactly. Modern is not feeling great like online and in the challenges, but I am curious like if that is a fair representation of the format and 
honestly, like I don't mind playing against scam. I really don't enjoy playing against beans. So yeah, that, even... see, this is my exact dichotomy. Mason had a tweet about exchanging resources and magic earlier, and I just mm-hmm. replied with, uh, I love grief way more than up the beanstalk. Yeah. Because playing against up the beanstalk decks is miserable, way more miserable than grief to me. I really don't enjoy it. And because it, it also like. Like it happens too early for that level of research resource generation to happen. Yes, grief happens really early, but there's plenty of games where like you each cast one mana spells and trade them for each other and you're both low on resources early. Like that's a normal way that a lot of magic games play out and a lot of fun magic games can play out because now you're both like drawing cards off the top of your deck and they're super relevant. You're trying to like get there first. Like somebody plays a three mana spell that gets some amount of card advantage and it's like, wow, that, you know, seasoned pyromancer is really good here or whatever. One of the most fun games of magic are when you're just top decking and your opponent is top decking as well. And yeah. they draw like a medium card, like Season Prime Answer. You're just like, oh, God, that's so good. It's not even right. like t- something crazy. It's just they get to draw another card. <laughs> yes. And it's it's so strong. And th- that's actually nice. And Modern just doesn't really do that anymore. Right. Like even the Scambier doesn't really have that. I mean, it kind of yeah. does, but it's super on rails. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of uh, like, like Scam does produce a decent number of games where it's like, we're we're both trying to draw something here, but I, I'm not like advocating for scam being like, oh yeah, this is the most fun way to play magic or, or anything <laughs> like that. I don't I don't think anybody would believe me if that were my position. But yeah, the like beans coming down on turn two, and you're just like, nothing matters anymore. Like mana is not a gate for them, cards are not a gate for them. Like, especially after the second beans comes down, it's just like none of the resource systems of Magic the Gathering are like part of this game i just need them to like i need their cards to be in the wrong order so that i can hopefully kill them before they manage to just like cast a bunch of free spells and draw a bunch of cards off of them and and do this like slay the spire end game combo against me basically i don't remember if i told you this story uh on the podcast or whatnot but i i played an rcq against someone playing beans and they had triple sleeved their deck so it was very difficult for me to shuffle it. Like I, cool. I, I'm just not very good at shuffling a deck that massive. Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna not shuffle my opponent's deck because they were not clearly not shuffling it enough. Mm-hmm. Like I did not trust the way they were shuffling. <laughs> they just, <laughs> and I get like your deck is huge. You don't really want to shuffle it, but maybe you just like shouldn't triple Z back then, right? But anyway, point of the story. I am having a difficulty shuffling my opponent's deck. It's it's taking a long time, and I win game one. And we have like 15 minutes left on the clock. And I am th- I think to myself briefly, oh no, I'm in a moral <laughs> state now where I could certainly win the match. By just playing at a normal pace, yeah. Yes. But I really don't want to do that. It just kind of felt bad the whole time where it was like yeah. my, my new resource, my best resource now against this deck is just the clock. It's not even a part of magic. Mm. yeah and i felt just yeah, like really bad to have that realization i don't like the beans deck i will say that i i have had a little bit of a renaissance of appreciation for living end right now because <laughs> i i gave it a shot again namor squats posted his a guide for his build 
and it was a pretty nice 75 and he had posted a sideboard guide. So I like tried it out and finally like kind of clicked like how to feel good against scam and ultimately like kind of just makes sense to build the deck in such a way that I don't think it matters too much like your configuration of subtleties and furies between your main deck and your sideboard. But ultimately, there's three pitch elementals that you can play and you should just play a full set of all of them in your 75 somewhere. And as long as you're doing that, then your your deck is still pretty good. And I actually like feel kind of fine against scam with like four fury, four subtlety post board. And also like playing against the beans deck, like you're doing a powerful thing fast enough that you do win a fair number of games when they don't just have to ferry. So there are ways to attack the format that I think you can be fairly successful with. But a lot of the games are simply not very fun. And I don't think that that's a good because that's the most important thing, right? Mm -hmm. that's why they cited that they banned all the ravager affinity cards like a long time ago right people Mm -hmm. are not having enough fun people just aren't showing up to fnm anymore that was a big deal at the time yeah so i guess we're gonna ban a bunch of cards and if people aren't having fun in modern then i you know i don't I don't know if this is if the challenge results are like real modern if that's what's happening at rcqs and stuff but uh, you know from the grapevine from what i have been hearing is most people's rcqs are very heavily scam compositions so what's hilarious is we we've been tracking locally our rcq numbers just like of decks people have been playing and exactly like i predicted the field started off extremely heavy scam and as the season went on fewer and fewer people were playing scam Mm-hmm. because those scam players just qualified. They were qualified. <laughs> <laughs> like the last tournament in this past weekend had three scam decks and six Tron decks because just all the scam players were done playing modern tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's, that's that's we don't have to go too deep into modern minutia. There's a new set coming out. I think there's a lot of cool stuff in the set. I don't know if it'll impact modern that much. It's like too much of a hurdle to jump through. But it, I think looking at it for Pioneer is super cool. Yeah, uh, I know Dom is super excited about Spelunking and Amulet. Seems to be very strong. Mm-hmm. And I will trust Dom's opinion on whether a card will be good in Amulet until proven <laughs> otherwise. So Holds up green card with the word land on it. Dom, Dom, please. <laughs> is this one good in amulet i mean i'll let him decide what to comment on and how but once once he once dom comes out saying i think this card is very good in amulet i'll say yeah that's i'll i'll go with that until we like get a month into having it legal and modern and and then we'll we'll know from the results dom says the card's good and modern and you reply to his twitter thread with um actually i don't i don't think it works like that yeah, the uh, it it doesn't work like that guy who asked a guy who not only top four to pro tour with the deck, but also asked a judge and has the screenshot of the judge's answer in the tweet. Like just the the most disrespectful possible reply. Oh, that's funny. All right, but I guess we can be done with modern for now. We'll, we'll sure no doubtly discuss it later. I don't believe it. Doesn't feel like anything will get banned. I, I, the feeling that I got from the last ban and restriction announcement where they didn't even discuss the state of modern is like in except for the yearly like real ban announcement, 
like they're really trying not to talk about it or do anything unless it's like life or death type situation. So it, I don't know that it, it doesn't seem likely that anything's going to happen. Yeah. I, I personally, I don't really think anything's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember how long pioneer languished in its combo hell of breach Heliod and inverter. Like that took forever to resolve itself. Yeah. Which is funny because the whole, I, and I know that that was like slightly after the, the heady like first two months of pioneer where we banned something every week that was too good but it is funny given the like origin of the format and then we just hit this like stagnant like yeah we're just doing heliods and and inverters for a while yeah. and there's we've got a we rock paper it. scissors of three incredibly strong combo decks <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you know, control decks or mid-range. No, no, no you've got not. combo decks. You better play. I one. mean, inverter was, you know, the not so secretly deck. a control deck, but yeah. yeah, it just had a really powerful, fast win condition. As I mean, part the, of the mono white deck was also a control deck, right? In, in, in disguise, yeah. it was only Lotus Field that wasn't a control deck because what are you controlling the board with? Your viziers, right? Right. Anyways, yeah. Previews. All I right. mean, previews are cool. Ixlan is cool. There's a bunch of cards that, you know, I, I thought we had talked about many of them, but you still found more to talk about. <laughs> yes. I went through and sorted by pre-order price first to make sure we like hadn't missed any ones that like are getting hyped up a little bit. And, you know, that's how I kind of organized my, I got to figure out what we haven't talked about that we should. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way to do it. Um, you have put this, uh, this this rabble master kind of guy onto the list yeah. you want to talk about so, that one yeah this is on impockle thousandth moon hmm. <laughs> legendary human soldier it's a one two for one red white uh, whenever you attack with one or more non-gnome creatures it's a very difficult to say put a plus one plus one counter on on impockle then create x one one colorless gnome artifact creature tokens that are tapped and attacking where x is the number of plus plus one counters on on the impacal. So this is your Krenko, yeah. where you, it, it doesn't have to get into combat, which is super nice. Yeah, it's uh, so Kind nice. of like an Adeline type effect where you can just play her, I think it's her, play her on three and then attack immediately. You get a gnome, she gets a little bigger. And if you don't want to attack with a two, three the following turn, that's fine. Uh, she, or I guess she'll be a, a three, four at that point. Three, four attacking, which is which would probably be really fine. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like Adeline doesn't die in combat very often with four toughness, so. Yeah, but if for some reason you don't want to attack with your three four, you don't have to. You just tag with something else that isn't a gnome, and mm-hmm. make two more guys. And by the time she's a four five, in the red zone, and you're just so far ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fact that you don't have to risk her, and she still like keeps scaling. Like you get one guy the first attack, which is like Adeline, and then you get one another creature. You get two creatures the second attack, which is kind of this like massive cascading thing and it also scales if you happen to be playing this in like a luminarch aspirant deck or something like any anything that like is putting counters onto your human soldier which is a very good set of types to if you want to put another counter or two onto them yeah it's it's pretty nice especially if you're into you know thalia's lieutenant type deals Mm -hmm. you want to do that uh she also works with uh connive right What's it called? The two drop, the red two drop from this set kind of works with her a little bit, but it, it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of I, backwards. I'm really low on NT. I kind of mm-hmm. was thinking about this while we were talking about it last week. 
the card just suffers so much from being a little too situational. Yeah. Uh, if it weren't legendary, I would be way more into it. But mm. he is, so it just feels like you can't really ever get ahead. And there's no, you can't do anything after you discard a card. You're just converting a card in your hand to a plus one counter and hopefully the top card of your deck. Yeah, which you need to have mana up for. So it, it like kind of doesn't matter that much that it triggers the turn. It comes into play because right. are you going to be able to cast that card? Yeah, I mean, but it, it is a red two drop. So who knows? Yeah, the, probably the, just the, like a two two with haste for two is generally going to be what a red deck wants more than than that right there's charm scoundrel like it does also yeah. doesn't trigger godric which i think is very important for just, oh, just charm scoundrel put up hold on charm, charm scoundrel can put a roll on itself which is a plus oh one plus it's, one. yeah it's not a plus one pl- plus Sorry. one counter it, but it does trigger it's a two haste and it does trigger a celebration yeah uh, which is very nice for godric if you draw him after you know you play oh yeah yeah for sure i was just wondering if it like had any synergy with an impacal because i knew it could get plus one plus one but it it's not a counter it's a it's a rule yeah. so it can't like i think it's the wicked rule i don't remember exactly mm, probably <laughs> okay <laughs> anyways <laughs> i do think that this is a really nice version of a cranko effect it's not standalone the way a rabble master is i mean it kind of is but it doesn't create a goblin the turn that it comes into play without any help but it does scale really nicely the body gets big without you even risking it in, in combat until it's the size that you want. You know, it's two colors, which restricts the the decks that it'll go into, but fantastic creature types too. Human Soldier. It is also legendary, which I like a little more on three drops than two drops. Sure. Because it's a little makes a little more sense to have more of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're a little higher impact. You could it protecting this with Plaza here is a lot better than like protecting NT, for instance. Yep. If you yeah. want to be in that sort of deck. Yeah, Boros Legends deck or Mardu Legends or something like that. Yeah, I was thinking Naya, but yeah, sure. Go off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I think this card's pretty good. Yeah, I, I like this card a lot. And I, I don't think uh, I have not looked at the art of this card very closely. Bloodletter of El Aklazats. Yeah, I don't really know how you bloodlet with a giant mace. You you're just killing people. Well, I is, mean is, I mean the, you're surely the, letting the blood out. That's that's for damn sure right and i mean the point of this card mechanically is it comes into play and then your opponent like takes 10 or whatever so it's kind of it makes sense uh one black 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 for a two four flying if an opponent would lose life during your turn they lose twice that much life instead so it attacks for four it's you know i underrated torbran when that got spoiled and then that card ended up being really good this is Torbran esque, but it doesn't like combo with it. You know, Torbran made all of your creatures kill anything that blocked them too, and this doesn't quite do that thing. But it can combine with other things that make them lose life. In addition to just giving your creatures double power when they hit your opponent, it attacks for four. It's a vampire, so probably Soren continues to not be quite there in Pioneer, but. If Soren, if you want to do vampires in Pioneer, I think this is like this is really good with Soren. Soren dealing double damage with the Lightning Helix ability is pretty gross. So I'm trying to look up what that one B two two Phyrexian is, where it's like whenever a creature dies for the first time, you drain them for two. Oh, um, 
Uh, I thought it was called Vran. Oh, it is called Vran, but there's yeah, two Vran. A's in it. It's Vran. Vran. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also a vampire, and also works well with Soren because yeah, that's kind of hot. Uh, it's a nice little combo if you're trying to do a little Soren one-two punch, uh, mm-hmm. and your top end is Bloodletter, and you have Vran in your deck. Anytime you kill a creature, you get the double damage off of the the Bloodletter. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. If you sacrifice a creature to Soren to Lightning Helix your opponent, then you deal six and Vran deals four. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of damage. I mean, that's a lot of specific cards in play at once. But you're, yeah, you're and you're leaning pretty heavily on Soren because I'm assuming you put the Flood Letter into play with Soren. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the idea. Is like it's really nice to cheat this thing into play with the Soren. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of neat little vampire. Mm-hmm like call outs that you can try to make happen in pioneer. I don't, I think maybe history has passed that deck by now, but Soren, the three mana Soren is very strong. Still. Right. That's the whole thing is that Soren is incredibly strong. And so if you're able to build a deck around Soren, that's not embarrassing, then, you know, Soren becomes one of the best planeswalkers ever printed. Yeah. Like there's another five mana vampire that like reanimates a vampire when it enters the battlefield. And I think that, People have speculated on that being a, a new vampire's card, but I don't really think it does Seems anything. Largely worse than Champion of Dusk in that deck. Right, exactly. And I don't even think Champion of Dusk is that good, to be honest. No, it's just the only playable one that's sneaking it in with Soren is like backbreaking. And so it sees play. I mean, it did see play. Unless you have the courage to play Mavrin and Galta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough sell for me. I really don't <laughs> like putting Uno cards into my deck. Copyright. Sometimes they're draw fours. <laughs> yeah, wild card. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got the Enigma Jewel. This is blue for a legendary artifact and it enters the battlefield tapped. Tap to add two colorless, spend this mana only to activate abilities. And that's it. That's all of the text on the card. That's, Are you sure it doesn't have another card. ability in an entire backside? Does it? No, it doesn't. It, it, it technically does, but you're never, ever going to activate it. Okay, so I like this set, and I like a lot of the stuff that's going on in it. Aesthetically, there's a lot appealing to me. I do think that craft, as it like exists in the file now, is not well done. I think there's something there. Crafting cards together like could be a neat thing somehow. Like just the way that it reads is so abysmal the way that it's like wildly inconsistent like what you can craft with from card to card and then like what the effect of the crafted things combines to do is complete like what you need to pay attention to on the cards is different from each crafted thing so it's just like you need to read an entire novel to understand what each craft card is doing and there's no consistency there and then on top of that just like verbally it's like so unpleasant to read the the craftability and the reminder text like the craftability on the enigma jewel is craft with four or more non lands with activated abilities and then there's a cost too eight and a blue at the end of that sentence eight and a blue comma exile this artifact comma exile the four or more from among other permanents you control the four or more is a noun and that feels awful to me i i just like it's bad writing and it doesn't parse like it's it it doesn't feel written by a human being, you know. 
I didn't have problems with craft when it was pre- when the Enigma Jewel was previewed because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just like a limited mechanic that's really text heavy and overladen. Uh, but it's like what they're doing for the set. Uh, and then I was offended by other cards existing in the set. So in the in the file, there's the Enigma Jewel, and right next to it in the set is the Overflowing Well. The Overflowing mm-hmm. Well is a is a legendary artifact. It's the one that the divinations. Yeah. And it itself flips not with craft it just flips if you have eight or more permanent cards yeah. in the graveyard yep so there are cards in this set that have conditional flips and they're artifacts and they flip into other stuff that do things just like mm-hmm. the craft artifacts are purporting to but these are significantly cleaner yeah like if they just took the march of the machine route where they put a bunch of creatures in a file that flip but by just paying mana like you're just paying an activated ability that says transform this and then, like, if Enigma Jewel was just nine mana to transform, and when it, it when it transformed, you could exile cards from your graveyard or play right. to right. do the thing. Like, sure, that, that would be so much cleaner. But they didn't do it, that. It would. And and the right the the fact that they had to make it the craft ability and the craft ability just reads so badly as opposed to yeah an activated ability that then like when it comes back exiles some things from your graveyard or play or whatever like. I, I don't I don't know. Like I get that you're trying to desperately trying to create the flavor of combine like taking things and building them, but it doesn't work. I think that it this is not functional design. And 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 I think that at the core of it too, verbally, like it reads really badly, but also it's just that the by far, like 85% of the use you're getting out of the card is just the front side. Like you're not crafting with the enigma jewel like it's eight and a blue craft with four or more non-lands with activated abilities in order to flip it so the the cost to do it is enormous and then the thing you get is just this super complicated like it's an artifact that has each activated ability of the exile cards used to craft it you may activate each of those abilities only once each turn Whenever you activate an ability that isn't a man ability, you copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. Like, okay, I can activate the abilities of the stuff that I already like had in play, and then it, this thing like doubles it. But I paid nine mana for that. So there's all of this text in like support of this thing that probably almost never happens. And it's super offensive that they tried to push craft not only in like craft commons uncommons sure cool it's mm-hmm. like the blue white keystone draft archetype with sure. like market gnome and all that stuff that that's whatever that's fine but then they make rares with craft like the there's a wrath of god that has craft uh, unstable glyph bridge the enigma jewel has craft it's a mythic rare mm-hmm. and a braid is just in this set just straight up in the set saying yeah i hope you don't i hope you aren't planning to like pay a bunch of mana to flip your artifacts anytime soon because i've got i've got a two mana red card right here for you that still kills the flip yeah unless unless you manage to like combo off with it immediately yeah also like in what world do you have four or more other permanents with activated abilities in your graveyard or on the battlefield to craft this with that in limited like that that's just not this clearly is for like someone to build around in commander, but woof, it's it is unwieldy. The card itself, the front side, blue mana artifact, enters battlefield tapped, taps for two mana, mm-hmm. only can be used to spend on activated abilities. 
Yeah. Is actually kind of interesting. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I, I like this like restricted soul ring that you have to find clever ways to use the mana. I guess, I guess we already had Omen Hawker, but this one doesn't die to, you know, cut down or whatever. So it's more interesting to me. Right. Omen Hawker is a, a very cut downable creature. Uh, I haven't actually found a lot to do with this. I was looking at cube applications for it because that's what I've been working on like for a little bit because mm-hmm. there's a just a bunch of stuff I wanted to try out. And there's just a lot of random across Magic's history activated abilities to do. But in mm-hmm. Standard or Pioneer, I don't really know what we're doing with this. It's very useful for activating lands, ironically. Yes. And that's right. Those are the main things that like pop into my head because it's hard to have another, you know, this is already one non-land permanent on the battlefield and constructed like putting together combinations of multiple non-land permanents on the battlefield is often like kind of tough to do. You need to draw these things in combination, but with lands, it's a little easier. Uh, I think like Urza Saga and Nykthos are the first ones that like pop into mind for using this with. Yeah. Field of Ruin was one of the ones I was thinking of when I was looking Mm -hmm. at like standard or pioneer level. Yeah. I don't really know. I was trying to think of like mono blue cauldron stuff is where I was kind of going with that. Cause there's a lot of activated abilities in that there's, that's a deck that plays training grounds, right? So they would be interested sure. in something like this. Yeah. And they're trying to soul cauldron and do a bunch of stuff where you could have this be backup artifact in that. And then since you're mono blue, you can try to play a little freer uh, field of ruins, but and if you do have that many activated ability things in your deck, then you might craft this at some point in some game. It is nine mana. No, 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 no. It's, it's nine mana and you'd lose the soul ring ability. So I don't even yeah. know if that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you lose the soul ring ability. The, the, the soul ring ability can be used to pay for the craft ability. So it's only seven mana, sort of. But that's still a lot. I wish the card was not legendary. This is a card that I do not think needs to be. Exactly. And, and that feels like the cost of an additional cost of having the craft ability on the card is like, oh, our, our like little soul ring thing that we have to work really hard to make work. We can't have two of them in play at once. And that's tough because if you want this in your deck, you probably want four. Right. It reminds me of Ozilus Shattered Spire being legendary. Mm-hmm. Like, it always struck me as weird that that card was legendary, because I get the Ozolith is legendary. Yeah. But the flavor of the Shattered Spire is that it's literally in pieces. So why is it legendary now? Can there just be a bunch of them? <laughs> yeah. So it could be rather than being like Ozolith Shattered Spire, it could, the flavor of it could be like pieces of the Ozolith or something. Yeah. I mean, it could still yeah. just be named Ozolith Shattered Spire. It's just you know, it's yeah. just a bunch of pieces. <laughs> At least. That one has cycling. This one, uh, if you draw that more than one. That card is the weakest cycle, cycling they, card I've ever seen. I know, but they tried. <laughs> They're like, that's from Akoria. We'll put cycling on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have I, a specific use case for the Enigma Jewel. And I do think Legendary really holds this type of, like, you know, if your Springleaf Drum is Legendary in your deck that wants four Springleaf Drums in it, that's really awkward. Yeah, and unlike Springleaf Drum, you can't grab this one off Urza Saga. No, you cannot. I'm just waiting for Modern Horizons 3 with the the colored mana Urza Sagas. Go grab a blue. It's the artifact. same thing, but it can get, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we printed too many of these colored artifacts, so we gotta we gotta update Urza Saga. Yeah, the white one would be great and give portable hole or dusk rose. Oh wow, yeah. 
All right, so next we have one that honestly is kind of shocking to me that they printed it. Really? Yeah, Souls of the Lost, one in a black for a creature spirit with X, with star slash star plus one. As an additional cost to cast a spell, discard a card or sacrifice a permanent, and it has fathomless descent. Its power is equal to the number of permanent cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. Just like, I feel like they generally are so, so conservative with discard a card as like a cost. You rarely get anything out of like paying because they know that discarding a card like enables so many things that giving you any upside on any like bonus on a card as though discarding the card in addition was like actually costing you anything like they, they generally don't do that. And it's hard to efficiently discard cards. And the fact that you just get to cast this as a two mana thing that is both like enabling your discard stuff and then is a full on backup plan all on its own unless the way that they're fighting your discard stuff is like rest in peace or or ley line or you know hard graveyard hate i this card seems really good to me do you have an idea where you'd want to play this where you you're like enabling something like what are we trying to enable with this i mean i think like you know uh it could be in a grease fang deck it could be in cruelty of gix kind of deck anything with stitcher supplier in it you can curve turn one Stitcher Supplier into turn two. I don't really want to discard anything, but I guess I'll sacrifice my Stitcher Supplier to this. And then maybe this is gigantic, depending on your permanent count in your deck. Uh, I, I, I think that there's like a lot of use cases. I, I'm not visualizing a specific deck yet, but you know, this As is more a two-mana card. more came to my mind, because it's a deck where I've always disliked the necessity of Street Wraith. Sure. Uh, I mean, just like, the two-mana discard enabler to let you cast Asmore is not the most exciting see, thing in that's, the world. That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, Asmore is what came to my mind first, but because this costs two mana, and usually on your discard enablers, you want them to be one mana, like Bone Splinters, or mm -hmm. just not Bone Splinters. Is that the right card? There, there's a Bone something that lets you discard a card or sacrifice a creature. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, or like Cookbook that's free. Like you mm -hmm. want to be able to discard and then do your thing because it usually costs mana to do your your discardy enabling thing. Yeah, not a lot of Vengevine type payoffs in formats nowadays. No, but there's a lot of stuff generally that like putting it in your graveyard is what you want to do with it, and I think that this will like enable things and kind of open up doors for cards that we, like we may have never even thought about. I'm having trouble like thinking of one in particular, but you know, almost shocking that Grease Fang ever became a deck and it just like things worked out such that, yeah, the, the Parhelion thing is strong enough. Grease Fang has enough power to crew it. Like this all like kind of worked out. We have to play some like really bad cards to get there and like Souls of the Lost as a discard enabler. Plus it's, it's not just enabling your discard stuff. It's big. It, it's big and you yeah. get it late in the game and it's like yeah we traded off a bunch of resources like uh, uh, i don't know if this like i'm not saying this replaces rafine's informant or something like that but late in the game you've traded off resources you have you know a bunch of lands in play and kind of nothing you top deck rafine's informant it's like all right i'll play it maybe it's a maybe it's a three two 
You top like Souls of the Lost, you sacrifice a land to play it that you didn't need anyways, and it's a 7-8 or something, and it kills your opponent in one or two attacks. That's a very different card. Yeah, I, I actually like Souls of the Lost quite a bit in Grease Fang specifically, because yeah. it's a Seder Wayfinder deck. So even in the early game, it's going to be quite good. If you want to go turn two souls to discard a thing, and then you have mm-hmm. to follow up with Seder Wayfinder to try and dig for your Parhelion, or the other way around is fine too. It's just very large at that point. Yeah, I don't know if... Do they run Seder Wayfinder anymore? I think that... I oh, Grizzly Salvage is yeah. more or less the same in my mind. Sorry, probably thinking But I guess one. when you are running Souls of the Lost, you're more incentivized to like be a type of deck that runs like Stitcher Supplier or Seder Wayfinder because those are permanents and you want your permanent count to be high. Yeah, I don't think you need it to be that high for this card to be good. Like, if no, this is a probably two not. Two mana, four or five. That's. I mean, you start out with fun. twenty-four lands and go from there. You know, like a lot of the cards you mill are just gonna be permanents. So I'm I'm cool with this card. I think it's a little tricky to use as an enabler, but I actually do quite like it in Greasefang. It is the card Greasefang got out of the set where, yeah, the white unearth was not it. No, absolutely not. I I think this card is. I think this card will show up in a lot of places is I would I, I would this, this is my pick for like I don't know if it's sleeper hit but I think it will like enable more strategies that like couldn't have existed without it than than kind of anything else I would be surprised at that but it's I think it's relies on whatever they print in the future because right now we're not really in an enabling place mm-hmm. in standard is what I'm thinking of and I'm hoping they I mean, if they print more stuff that is graveyard active, that this card stock rises dramatically. It's just so cheap, and I, I don't know. I, I I have big like like this card looks like a star to me. I I, I think that it will would be really good. If they put hatching plans in the standard. You could go hatching plans into this. Bam, draw three cards. <laughs> That's not <laughs> what I want to do. I want to kill them. I want to I want to play this. On turn two, and then when I'm attacking with it on turn three, they're like, oh crap, that's a six seven, and also you enabled like the synergies of your deck. Like that's that's where I want to be at. Well, let's talk about the next card, because I really like this one. I've okay. been more turned on by this than I was last week. Cool. Let's do it. So this is Amalia Benavides Aguirre. Uh white and black for a two-two legendary vampire scout ward of pay three life. Uh, whenever you gain life, Amalia explores, then destroy all of the creatures if its power is exactly 20. That's <laughs> a very funny line of text. That is surprisingly a relevant thing to this card. Yeah, the main thing this card does, it's a white-black life gain payoff. Uh, this is a combo with Wild Growth Walker. Wild Growth mm-hmm. Walker is an old Ixlon card where whenever you ga- explore, you gain three life and you put a counter on it. So if you just have those two cards together and then you explore with something else, because neither of those cards explore, you keep going until Amalia has 20 power, then you kill everything else. It may be easier to just gain life rather than explore. Because if we're doing this in Pioneer, like I am not really interested in putting Merfolk Branch Walker into my Pioneer Or deck. a random map token. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Map what I do like is using this as a life gain payoff. Me too. Uh, and I don't mind playing a combo with it. Like if it's a like a Soul Sisters-esque deck where you're just nickel and diming your opponent, get some life mm-hmm. gain here and there, and it's like an Ajani's Pride Mate that's like kind of weird. You Sometimes you get a counter, sometimes you get a land. 
uh, but you're always working towards drawing your next piece that you need. I think mm-hmm. she's really good at doing that. And you don't have to play, you know, wild growth walker necessarily. I guess there's not necessarily a good way of doing this. And this this also, you know, Walking Blista is not legal in Pioneer, so it's irrelevant because this is certainly not good enough for modern. But if you give this Walking Blista's ability with Agatha Soul Cauldron and you give this lifelink, you kill your opponent with a non-land card on top of your library. Because you gain yes. life, it explores, you get a plus one, plus one counter. But that is multiple steps to just like do Heliod combo, which is just easier to do. And and you need the Walking Ballista, which is not legal in Pioneer. So this is not, I guess this isn't bringing anything to the table there. But that is, you know, I, I don't know if your Soul Sisters deck like has Heliod in it or something like that. But you know, I think that this combos with a lot of stuff. Basically, is is kind of like where that leads me. Um, I also like it more, a little more, as just like, oh, this is a pretty decent a Johnny's Pride Mate that is very threatening. I, I, I don't think that the Wild Growth Walker combo deck with this is going to be a thing. No, I think it requires too much. Like Wild Growth Walker sucks. All the Explorer creatures right. suck. That's there the problem. aren't any good map creation in the set that isn't like uh, Sentinel of Velocity, which is a 3 mana 3-4, that has to attack to get a map token. So that's kind of slow. So you're not really doing a bunch of comboing with this card. It's also in three colors by default, because white and black are not explore colors. Unless we're playing Seeker's Squire. I would rather combo it with life gain than with than trying to do like an explore deck with wild growth walker or even just trying to combine it with wild growth walker like the the cards you end up with in your deck i think I, I if you're going to build that deck the only way that i could be convinced is if like you are putting together this combo and you are not playing other explore creatures like wild growth walker is just in there because it does this thing with amalia and it happens to be very good against a lot of the stuff in the metagame like if you're playing a white black deck and you have fiend artisan and like a couple of wild growth walkers and sure. you're otherwise i have i'm gonna gain a life when this wild growth walker enters the battlefield and then i explore with amalia and then whatever like the floor is pretty low if your deck is all two drops or one drops sure <laughs> like, and having wild growth walker in that situation doesn't seem that bad to me yeah yep all right you're gonna have to explain this next one because this is a card i've read about 40 times and i just i don't get it I yeah okay so this is uh, Basalantli the Great Door three mana for legendary artifact tap draw a card then discard a card and it's got a transformability that's like impossible to do but we've never just had an artifact that loots like this have we? Currency converter is the last one I can think of that was a a or oh, bag of holding maybe. Yeah, but this doesn't cost any mana to activate. Yeah, it's just straight up tap draw a card discard a card. No, I I can't think of one that's done this. I think that's actually kind of good. The Celeste is if your opponent can agree to play no or a bunch of spells <laughs> alternatively. Yeah, I, well, and the Celestis, I mean, the Celestis makes a mana, but when, <laughs> when you're like, when you manage to flip the Celestis a couple of times over the like, you know, four or so turns after it comes into play, like it does feel like insane. This, I, I don't know, like probably it costs three mana. It doesn't really affect the board in any way. But if you do have like synergies, like this is like a pretty efficient discard outlet. If you're doing cruelty of gigs kind of stuff, it just like 
digs and it like goes through your deck like you're looking at two cards a turn you're doing looting that like it 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 activates when it comes into play unlike a creature looter and it just like does it every turn if your opponent doesn't happen to have a braid or or some other removal spell for this i guess the fact that like leyline binding exists is kind of a bummer for a deck playing this card but I don't know that it sees play, but we haven't gotten something that just does this. That's just three mana loot every turn and looting every turn. You know, you find what you need. It's kind of small ball, but I could mm -hmm. see it seeing play in like a uh, what's that card? Metalwork Colossus tile deck where you just want a bunch of random cards that do something and are non-creature artifacts. Yeah. Uh, in addition to like your brass knuckles and what have you. Sure. <laughs> where, where you can actually get your pieces pretty quickly well not even mm -hmm. that quickly just a little faster if one of your random artifacts is yeah. this card instead of uh the five five mana rock vehicle the, I, I can't remember what it's called i guess the way i'm thinking about it a little bit is like a two mana artifact that had tap draw a card then discard a card would be an incredibly powerful card and three mana obviously is a lot more than two but i don't think that that necessarily keeps it from playability then like a two mana artifact that loots would we would play four of in every deck well that's most well i don't know if that's true but it's it's more true because when you're on the play and you play that artifact your right. chance of winning goes extremely high if you're on the play and you have this artifact your opponent can just attack you with a two drop twice before you've done anything well, but if you're on the play and you have this and you curve a two mana removal spell into this you know this isn't the first thing that you're doing you you can and especially because your deck has these artifact looters in it like you can include your cut downs your cheap removal spells and just pitch them when they're not good but this card never really goes up in cards it's just a filtering tool it's always right which is cards. why i think you mostly want it when you have synergies with it when you have stuff that you want to have end up in your graveyard and you know okay it has it a weird trigger... transformability that like turns it into a land that can add multiple mana, but I don't yeah, think that ever gets irrelevant. activated in the entire existence of this card. Like it's it's just a big mana. It's, uh, it's like the backside of Azur's Gateway, mm -hmm. where you just flipped it into a land that made a bunch of mana. And that's then you're like, wait, but I need my looting thing back. That's what I. Yeah. That's what I need. <laughs> Got to make sure to just exile multiple cards of the same converted mana cost so that I do not flip this card. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we've got Kellen, Daring Traveler. This is a two mana, two, three, with whenever it attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card with mana value three or less, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it into your graveyard. And he has an adventure, which is one green for a sorcery. You create X map tokens, where X is one plus the number of opponents who control an artifact. You know, I don't know what deck needs this thing that creates two permanents, but there's certain Thraben Inspector vibes to this whole thing. It has the the really nice kind of old like original Eldraine design of adventures where you curve the adventure into the creature and going one mana adventure into two mana creature and it's like a totally reasonable size for a two mana creature. Especially if you if you explore onto Kellen on turn mm -hmm. three and then you, you have a three four that can draw a card. It is also a legendary creature that I mean, the sorcery being green means you're probably not curving this into Rafine, I guess. But 
you know, maybe the you can't legendary. you can't ignore the green the adventure like the creature itself. I think is probably good enough on its own because yeah. whenever you attack with it, you can draw Rafine like right there. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean I don't like it's it's possible that the legends deck just wants this as like a body that's great to put a plus one plus one counter or two on and then it like can draw some of your better cards and and even if you're not drawing cards with it it is you know surveilling and that's not terrible we're getting closer and closer to the all singleton legendary standard deck Mm, beautiful (laughs) very (laughs) flavorful the way we need to be playing magic cards Well, you, you play four Rafines, and then you play one of everything else. Yeah, then you fill out the deck with your one-ofs. One yeah. Shieldred, one Kellen, one Thalia, <laughs> one Adeline. One Shieldred is a tough sell for me, too. That, that I, one it's for the I meme. want a couple it's copies of. It's for the meme. The rest are in the sideboard. Hmm. I mean, you could play one. You could play two Shieldred if you play Shieldred and then Shieldred the Apocalypse. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the, then, then we've got everything covered. Yeah, perfect. Can we talk about Malcolm? Yeah, kind of similar card to Kellen is Malcolm Alluring Scoundrel. So this is one in a blue for a 2-1 legendary Siren Pirate with Flash and Flying. 2-1 Flash Fire for 2. When it deals combat damage to a player, you put a Chorus Counter on it, then you loot. Then if there are four or more Chorus Counters on Malcolm, you can cast the discarded card without paying its mana cost. If you've you've hit them four times with your 2-1 Flyer, then you get a free spell. Yeah, after you've done eight damage to them, yeah, the the, the spell is on the house. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think it'll come up very often because your opponent is incentivized to kill a card yeah. like this. Because it's dealing two and you're looting every turn, but that's that's enough for me to say like this card is good, right? Yeah, but if you can curve and pressure where you're playing, you know, Rafine into Shieldred, like those are also threatening creatures that are probably a little higher priority than Malcolm. And it wouldn't surprise me if this goes off more often than you think it would, mm-hmm. even though I don't int- expect it to be, you know, chorusing off very often. No, but it's like you can play it in a flashy kind of version of the deck. Like you can play it alongside Make Disappear, and that's a really nice like opening hand to have like oh if they play something i'll counter it if they don't play something that i care about then i'll put this guy into play if my make disappear becomes dead i can discard it to malcolm like that's really nice all on its own and it's also like it can flash in you know you didn't play anything your opponent plays a creature you flash it in and then play your rafine and now you're just winning you know the this card just seems really good to me i think yeah i think it's fantastic yeah, uh, it does compete with Yuda's card just kind of directly <laughs> or or it Our lets alongside. you play a really like consistent flash deck with a lot of redundancy. I don't want people to do that because those decks are almost always horrible. That's true. But if you want six two drops with flash or something like that, like you can sure. do that now. Yeah, the three three split of, of legendary creatures. Well, you as a creature is not legendary, but oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Don't know why I would make that mistake. But yeah, I, I think that this just has good, good numbers, good abilities. It it works for me. Oh, uh, next we've got a cool little story spotlight card. Yeah, Bitter also like the triumph. fourth discard enabler so far in our list. Yeah, that's how I mean, that's how you get to send to to work to yeah. function. You really gotta discard those. Uh, permanent cards yes bitter triumph 
One in a black instant is initial cost to cast the spell, discard a card, or pay three life, destroy target creature, or planeswalker for two mana. It's a good card, Lee. Yep, I mean, we compare it to Infernal Grasp, which was almost the same card for Mm -hmm. one less life, but you could not kill a planeswalker, and you do not have the option to discard a card. Yeah, and so in the matchups where, like, I want to kill something, but my life total is under pressure, you can just pitch your worst card, and that's that's great that's much better than infernal grasp i mean i i think this mostly now takes over the like instant speed two mana black removal slot in pioneer as well as obviously being good in standard but this just solves so many things yeah it's how do you how do you think it rakes in the like removal tiers going on right now in standard or pioneer i mean it's I, I guess it would be surprising to me if Go for the Throat sees much play with this around. Okay. I I still really like Go for the Throat. <laughs> I think the fact that this can kill Planeswalkers is just nice. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I keep overlooking that. Right. Okay, so can I tangent a non-gameplay part about this card? Mm-hmm. So this is a story card depicting... You know, you can you read the flavor text. It's just though he wept at Enti's death, Capricotti's eyes were keen, and his spear pierced cleanly through Cavalino's tainted heart. Mm-hmm. And I I read this, and I'm like, who are these people? Sure. So I look through the set real quick. Enti is the the two drop we've referenced drop. multiple times. Yeah. The other two are just straight up not in the set. Oh. They just don't exist. There's a million legendary creatures in the set. And these ones don't. This is a story spotlight and the two characters in it don't get it. The only the only one who we know it is. All we know is that she's dead. He died. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what, what is this? What, is this world building? You like have this story spotlight moment where the only character in the set is the one that you killed. Not even the one that you're killing on the card. One that died yeah, off just, screen. Yeah. Maybe it's on another card. Who knows? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I won't worry about it too much. All right. Anyway, moving on. Hulking Raptor. Hulking Raptor. Yeah. Two GG for a five three dinosaur with Ward two at the beginning of your pre combat main phase. Add GG. You know, an explosive vegetation level of ramping that also comes with a body. The Ward two is like obviously if it didn't have Ward two, I'd just be like whatever. This dies to one mana removal spells all the time, but. They have to pay at least three or four mana to kill it. And if they don't, it just like gets you to six or seven mana the next turn. And it's also a five, three body. Yeah, I, I really enjoy when my explosive vegetation has some upside, right? So your mm-hmm. battle for Zendikar gets you our invasion of Zendikar fixes your mana. You can attack it to make a land creature. Uh, this one's just straight up a five, three. It <laughs> just gives you two. the five, three up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't fix your mana. So it's if, right. if you're. If you're playing green, you're going to want green. That's all you're going to get out of this card. But it is a creature, and it's not trivial to get rid of. Like, your opponent does have to devote most of their turn to killing this creature. Like, even the two-mana removal spell we just talked about, four mana to kill this guy. Yep. It also, you know, close your ears, Lee, but it does contribute to your devotion. And so I think it's possible that a couple of copies of this in mono green in Pioneer could be worth it. It, it does, like... This is also a card that I I feel like could be if mono green had a sideboard would have been like an interesting sideboard card because, you know, 
go like wolf turn two wolf haven turn three hulking raptor turn turn four you can cast anything in your deck and like that's a kind of and also it's a five three that can just kill them it's like very on plan with mono green which has two plans attack you for a million with giant creatures and ramp up to big spells and uh, you know four man not a lot of slots for four mana cards in the deck but this feels on plan it also lets you cast storm the festival without necessitating another land drop Mm-hmm. Which sometimes you keep a handful of a bunch of land elves and not a bunch of lands. Right. And I think this is generally good against the decks that like kill your Lanoir elves. Like if they kill your Lanoir elves, are they going to be able to take this out? Like on the turn that it comes down, that ward two is going to make it a, a decent number of movable spells, like kind of hard to cast against it, especially if they're trying to cast more than one spell in a turn. And at least Fiery Impulse, like, costs three mana to take this out. It's not, you're not super happy about it, but it it would be unplayable if you could just Fiery Impulse this for one mana, of course. To me, this card seems pretty good against something like Phoenix and pretty mm-hmm. bad against something like Rakdos. Sure. Because that deck has, this, this card only has three toughness, and Rakdos is one of those decks with just a million three top, three power creatures in it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have to point a removal spell out of its primary function. Like the mana ramp thing, you, you, it's hard to stop anyway. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Monocreen's just going to do that no matter what. Right. Rakdos is trying to like thought seize you off of your payoffs a lot of the time and stuff. So, And if this is self-contained by just like your Blood Tithe Harvester, then it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But I think it can be good in a lot of games. Yeah. It's like especially against Phoenix where you, you're trying to kill their land worlds early and then they play this and you're like, oh, hmm. That's yeah. big. <laughs> like it, this guy, if you have a Nykthos in play, like this thing gets you a lot of steps closer to flashing back your your Storm the Festival. Following up, we've got Ix- Ixali's Lord Keeper, which is a green mana 1-1 one, one creature human druid. Tap, add a mana of one any one color, spend this mana only to cast a dinosaur spell or activate an ability of a dinosaur. Why is this one on here, CCR? You just like Lanor Elves for dinosaurs? I think that in standard, it's so difficult to find one drops that this may be the thing that makes like the dinosaurs deck actually worth looking at is that you get to play a good one mana creature in your deck. And that that is the difference between like a deck that doesn't have explosive draws and a deck that is like using its mana efficiently and making every turn of the game a problem from your, for your opponent. Okay, that's fair. I, I'm just kind of viewing the dinosaurs legal and standard, just kind of paging mm-hmm. through them. And there's not. Let me let me restrict this to future so that I get the ones in the new. So ones the main dinosaurs that are like relevant to this, and and I don't know how big the dinosaurs deck goes. You know, maybe you put Hulking Raptor in your dinosaurs deck, and then you play like the five mana one that cascades or something like that. But the the main ones that I think like. If you're building like a stompy-ish kind of dinosaur deck, you've got the red-green one that like can deal damage to something when it comes into play. That is legendary for questionable for bard class reasons, I guess. Because uh, it's a is, cute little yes. uh, you know, child of, of Gishath. <laughs> um and there's a six-six for three mana. So this card, I think if the six six for three mana is playable, then this card, Exali's Lordkeeper, is like a big part of that situation. Yeah, I'm gonna read the six six for three mana because I think it just 
lends naturally to this discussion. This is Pugnacious Hammer Skull. It's a 2G66 dinosaur. Uh, when it attacks and you don't control another dinosaur, you put a stun counter on it. Yeah, I gotta have a dinosaur or this gets taxed for attacking. You can't not attack with it. You can always attack with it, but it might be tired if you don't control another dinosaur. Yeah, that's really big. Like that's that's just the only thing that it is. It has no positive abilities. It only has that, but it is also very much a 6-6 six, six for three mana. Is that relevant in standard? Is that good? Does it just get wiped out by... Are, are you playing a deck that just loses to Sunfall every single game? Maybe, but if you do go like your birds of paradise into a six, six into another dinosaur. Like that's a t pretty terrifying curve. Yeah. I think the dinosaur creatures are kind of bad yeah. I, other than Atali. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at them and if you're trying to play this uh, one drop, two drop or one drop, three drop kind of deck, mm -hmm. the best dinosaurs are probably the two mana ones. There's belligerent yearling and uh, it's Keith. Yeah, which is the legendary you've re referenced. Uh, Belligerent Yearling is the two mana three two trampler that can copy the uh, a dinosaur's power when you right. play well, it. Right, and so that's kind of the thing that I'm thinking is that like you have the curve of Ixali's Lorekeeper into turn two six six, or you have the that turn two like uh, Eldrazi Mimic guy into a six six. So you do have these like threatening curves that are just sitting there, like you know maybe you just die to this stuff. Unfortunately, beyond the 6-6, six, six, I would yep. consider all of the dinosaurs to be niche, like Tranquent Frobrack or Thrashing Grotodon, which I think are good dinosaurs, but expensive and clearly utility cards. Yeah. Or very expensive. Uh, Bonehorde Dracosaur is the, the Baneslayer Angel for flying first strike, draws cards type deal. Like, I think card card's solid. Uh, but you can't like build a, a cohesive dinosaur curve if that's like your next best guy other than the six, rampaging six. raptor is rampaging raptor is standing legal yeah i was getting that one all right all right uh and that one but the, the problem is you need a real curve of things that aren't just your like what are you doing if you don't have your twos into a three right. drop that's actually good right, like, right. thrashing bronze dawn is good but it's not like an incredibly aggressive card True. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's unlikely that you end up with 60 cards, right? Is the problem because you need yes. them all to be dinosaurs. It's, and it's exactly the same thing as the Ixalan, original Ixalan dinosaur deck, where it like, had to some good enablers. Right. But you just like, your dinosaurs sucked. You had Ripjaw Raptor and. And Ripjaw Raptor was, you know, marginal at best, even back then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the What's the, the big one? Galta? That, that was a good card, but it was a tertiary like oh yeah this is a dinosaur <laughs> yeah that the dinosaur part of galta was never really the it turns out that rampaging ferocidon is not actually in this set though it's only a special guest so unfortunately we we don't get to add rampaging ferocidon to the pile of playable dinosaurs right or zakama which i think is also a special guest <laughs> yeah i think the dinosaur deck goes the way of the excellent dinosaur deck which is Probably. not enough support a a one mana mana guy that fixes your mana though is definitely it, it makes you look at at the dinosaurs to see if there's a stack of them that works there's also a two mana mana dork that can rebuy dinosaurs from your graveyard which is also one of those cards like ooh, more dinosaur support can we play some dinosaurs but you look at the dinosaurs in standard and you're like no we can't yeah 
Also, it would be kind of nice if the mana guys also happened to be dinosaurs, just to make sure that yes. like you have one in play for your six six. There's also no commune the dinosaurs in this set, which is a which was actually a pretty nice card in the last Ixlon set. Yeah, but, yeah, commune would really help tie the room together. Also, alas. it's a funny card name. Yeah, commune with dinosaurs. It's like commune with spirits, but there's but no spirits here. Instead, uh, the funniest legal dinosaur in standard is the Goldforge Thopteryx, which is a white blue dinosaur Thopter. <laughs> yes, <laughs> from the aftermath. So. <laughs> Just wanted to mention that we can we can move along. We got Garden of the Great Door, a white white four four flying. As an additional cost of cast a spell, tap four untapped artifacts, creatures, and or lands you control. Pretty good to vial in. Pretty bad to put in your vial deck because it doesn't work if you don't have vial. So uh, I don't. It doesn't seem likely, but it is a card that like begs for you to cheat it if you can figure out a way. It's a it's an aether vial card, and it's I question how good it is in those decks. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's actually very good because those decks are not very good at killing your opponent, and yeah. they typically grind a bunch. And just having a four four flyer would be pretty nice. It is especially huge. since if you ever flood out and you don't have vial, you can actually cast the card. You yeah. can tap your uh, your clue from the Raven Inspector or the equipment you got from Stoneforge Mystic in order to help cast this card for kind of free. The, the vial that you drew last turn in addition isn't getting there. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'll just tap this vial to cast my Guardian of the Great Dark. Yeah, I, I would like to attack with this next turn. <laughs> it's there if you want to do that stuff with it. Yeah, it, it's not playable if you're not playing Aetherville on your deck. So this one is Itzquinth, Firstborn of Gishath, which we mentioned when talking about dinosaurs. Green red for a 2-3 haste. When it enters the battlefield, you may pay two. When you do target dinosaur, you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature. It's legendary, so it's kind of a bard class plant, as are like every red green legend from now until so, the end of time. Yeah, here here's my stance on uncommon legendary signposts. Because mm -hmm. that's what they did. All of the signposts in the set are like legendary creatures. Mm -hmm. uh, all of the gold cards should not be legendary except for the red green one which would should explicitly be a red green legendary creature <laughs> <laughs> like it's king follows this pack uh pattern and maybe the next set will have another one until the bards continue singing yep and so this is probably good in that if there is a dinosaur deck the fact that this this isn't just like you can target itself it, it has like kind of kicker it deals two damage to a creature that's fine. But in a dinosaur deck, you know, if you draw this after your dinosaur, you can play it on turn two to deal two damage with haste. Or you draw it a little bit after and you have like a six six or something in play and you can make that punch something, you know, a nice upside on your two drop. I don't know if there's a dinosaur deck, though, as we have just discussed. I'm still firmly no dinosaur deck. That's fair. What about uh, Cenote Scout? Green mana creature, Morphic Scout, 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, it explores. What are you thinking yep. about this one? This sure costs one mana, so it'll it'll find a place somewhere. That's, it's that's basically just... Curd Ape. Yeah. Merfolk Curd Ape. It's as efficient as you can get that explore text onto. Probably when it doesn't draw a card, it's going to feel like kind of bad. But depending on, you know, if your deck is heavily creatures and you just kind of like start out with a one, one mana guy that accidentally is a two, two, like you can put together these accidental curves that just like, oh, I, my opponent's kind of dying to this. 
And, you know, even when it doesn't hit the land, you do get to surveil that card. And it just, this costs one mana. It's, that's, that's really cheap. It'll find a spot. Yeah, I no no real complaints about this one. Oh, oh, out of air is a neat one to include because I like this card a lot, but mm-hmm. like only for design reasons. <laughs> so this is a two UU instant counter target spell. Costs two less if it targets a creature spell. What you thinking? Uh, I mean, I don't. Do we have? I guess essence scatter. Actual essence scatter is legal in standard. So you know we had an option for two mana counter a creature spell if you wanted it, but this does have that like it will find a target later on in the game if that like cheap mode of countering a creature spell was not relevant. Like I I think that also the fact that we have multiple two mana like two one flash flyers, you know somebody's gonna play mono blue the the type of deck the type of flash deck that you hate um and this is going to be in it like that that will just exist whether it's... i don't hate it i don't like playing it and i think it's mostly bad yeah <laughs> i don't know that it's going to be like particularly playable but it will exist it will be one of the archetypes in the format i believe given that yeah. fairy mastermind and malcolm exist and blue instance exists like it's it just will yeah, and we'll have another a scammer squats moment with the Canadian RC again. Yes. It'll be great. <laughs> I, I do think that this card is pretty good in that type of deck because you can use it early on to like help keep you from getting run over. And then it's like a pretty bad cancel, but a relevant one. Like if they're trying to like sunfall you and previously you would have had an essence scatter in your hand, but now you're just like, yeah, I passed the turn with this up and my four power of creatures in play. You can't sunfall me when I have this, and that, that's a nice additional mode. Are they ever just going to reprint Dismiss? I don't think Dismiss has been standard legal ever since it was printed in like Tempest. <laughs> that's fine. They reprinted Rewind into standard multiple times before mm-hmm. they printed Dismiss. Like, what? Why? <laughs> I've had Rewind cast against me, like in Pioneer, like a format where I'm boarding in like three mystical disputes. It's it's wild. Just can you please print dismiss for me, Watsy? <laughs> it's it's not even that strong, and it also use some new art. This card has not been reprinted. <laughs> yeah, they made cryptic command before they reprinted dismiss, which is like a fancy dismiss. It's it's mm-hmm. too blue. And um, that's that's actually all of the cards that I picked out. I'm sure there's like a few more that I have missed that are worth talking about, but that seems pretty good for today. Yeah, let me, let me do a little once over just to make sure we don't want to talk about Cavern of Souls existing as a reprint. Uh, the fact that uh, Jamil, the Inner Sun, is a card I think is super cool, but they printed a braid in the set, so it sucks to be me. Uh, yeah, that's the <laughs> the one that cascades every turn? or Yeah, it cascades at the beginning of your end step, and yeah. your spells can't be countered. It is really it's cool. The, it's the largest defense grid. I don't know. That does seem like it's probably a sideboard juke in some matchup. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. And then we talked about Sahili last week, which is a card I think we both liked. And yeah, yeah, I'm good. I don't think it's a braid existing that makes cards like Chimiel the Inner Sun. Just let me have this one. I think it's <laughs> I think it's Leyline Binding that makes cards like this not exist. I mean, Leyline Binding is just the Current, a braid, but a braid. Yeah, right. 
it's but just it, insulting when they print like a flashy six mana mythic and a two mana card that exists to be a flexible answer to it at all times yeah it's tough like and you could say that for every mythic in dominaria because sure. Bunnings, that's it but i don't know maybe leyline bindings too good i, I can't believe that i have come around to leyline binding probably too good i wouldn't i wouldn't mind if leyline binding didn't have flash the fact that Something. it's just so free to leave up is really the pain yeah. point for me personally if you're gonna print that card you have to be playing around it like all the time because it just costs one mana and it is at instant speed it, it's a tough one i i'm not really sure what what my ultimate take on leyline binding is but i'm like lower and lower this previous weekend i had um zakama in play and i'm just like well i have this three this lotus field is gonna stay untapped for a long time because i need to be able to hold up and disenchant mana for leyline binding yes <laughs> <laughs> at least that one can play around it that's a mythic that that knows what it's about when leyline binding is involved yeah you, you you can get still hurt by it if you don't have three mana when you cast Zakama. Right, right. And they only need the one mana up. But hopefully, you know, you've dealt with the game state such that you have a spot for Zakama in, in that type of matchup. But yeah, that's that's excellent for now. We'll we'll yeah. go over it, I'm sure, next week. We're gonna do some some shows for previews. Set comes out this this week is the pre release, right? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. So we'll have some magic online results and people will play with the cards. It is set release time, and that's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, it used to be. Now it just feels like it's a it's you know, every other the, week. All the time of the year. Standard set release time though is still special. I find myself looking forward to the summer sets that go to modern more than the standard sets. Oh, see, I just like checked out for like lord of the rings release and i was just like whatever ends up being good ends up being good and i'm just like i i don't i don't really care to brew in modern and so it was not the most relevant to me if, if it's not coming to pioneer a, a format where i can like think about stuff and be clever with things i feel like then uh, i don't know i do like pioneer as a format i'm glad it exists yeah same could it be better? No, absolutely not. It's perfect. No, it's it's per it's perfect. <laughs> this isn't a pioneer episode, so it's everything's great. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate your time. Uh, if you would like to lend us some support, we do have the Patreon that I am revamping. So can subscribe now. Can wait until we kind of get the new tiers set up. But we will have more stuff and more information coming soon. And more thank um, yous. And more thank yous. But yeah, appreciate y'all very much. That's it for us. Have a great week. Bye.